In episode 36 of Ask the Masters, Master Ryan Oaks meets with Daniel Pitts, a master rock sculptor. He tells you some of the tips and tricks that you need to understand about sculpting rocks. This is not only great for someone who does rock, but someone who supervises rock. Make sure that you listen through. You do not want to miss the next lifestyle event with Ask the Masters. On February 27th and 28th, we are being hosted by Bazaza Tile, Laticrete, and Wet Edge, and we're going to get dirty. We're actually going to install paper-faced Bazaza Tile with the backdrop of Laticrete, all at the Wet Edge facility. Enjoy. All right, I'm Ryan Oaks. I'm an SWD master, and today I have with me Dan Pitts from Ocean Rock Industries out of BC. And Dan, BC, is that part of Canada? Yeah, it's a fairly big part of Canada. A lot of people, when you say BC, they say, oh, wow, you live in BC. Wow, the mountains, the rivers, the ocean. And it's a good spot, a good place to live. I had a guy the other night, I said, uh, I was talking about BC, and uh, I think we were talking about you. I said, you're from Canada. It's like, where? I said, BC. He said, oh, that's not Canada. <laughs> I guess this happens a bit. But That's funny. What part of BC? Uh, so I'm from Squamish, BC, which is uh, just north of Vancouver um, and south of Whistler. So right in the middle. So we're right on where the ocean kind of meets the mountains and the river. Uh, so, you know, in the winter we're, we're up in the mountains and in the summer we're well, still in the mountains, but you know, on the ocean more. So you sled? Yeah, snowboard, sled, snowboard. Yeah, yeah. Even when I'm, you know, yeah, oh yeah. No, when I'm (laughs) when I'm when I'm sledding, I'm working. You know, I'm up there. You know, I've I've made rock molds from all the rocks up in the mountains that we go sledding, sled access to. You know, it's it kind of, you know, it it inspires you um, when you're up there and you're you know all alone and you get these big spears sticking out of them. Out of the mountains, and you can get right up close and personal with them, and you know it really inspires you to. You know. So you're in a killer place for inspiration. I mean, yeah, rocks everywhere you look, mm-hmm. and your back door. You have rocks in your backyard, right? Yeah, well, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we do. We, uh, you know, everywhere you go, like I can take my dog for a walk, and you know, there's cliff faces and mosses and lichens and colors, all different colors everywhere rivers river you know eroded rock and you know you get a good feel of, of really what is out and what's around i think i heard someone say one time you carve rocks better than god <laughs> <laughs> well that's a good compliment i guess <laughs> i'm sorry it sounded funny but i did hear that so <laughs> i didn't say it thank you thank you <laughs> So what's the process? How do you, or as you would say, the process, right? Yeah. What's the process? Um, <laughs> well, every, every project starts with a design. You know, a lot of times, you know, even before I go to a project, someone might say to me, okay, we want to do a wine cave, you know. And before I've even been to the place, I've already got this vision, you know, of what I want to sell to this mm-hmm. project. It could be totally different than what the client wants. It could be that, but that's just immediately what goes through your brain in the, the start of the design phase. So when I show up to a project, I can already visualize, you know, from what I had in my mind to what is on site. I can see the different aspects, you know, some overhangs, maybe, you know, something's getting pinched out and there's a quartz vein kind of in the middle, and, you know, a nice arete around the corner. You know, some Gastons. Some Gastons. <laughs> Do you take photos of rocks and keep them yeah. while you carve? Um, you know, I uh, I won't. I don't typically use photos while I'm carving, um, just because it, it's. I find it more of a distraction. It's quick when you're when you're really getting into it. It's fast. You know, you gotta. Everything. It's all about timing. Mm-hmm. My techniques are a little bit different than you know a lot of other guys. I'm not saying that anyone's is right. It's just a matter of personal preference. Um, how everything comes out is you know it's directly from your brain to your hands. You know 
there's a, when you're looking at photos, exactly, when, you know, when I'm looking at a photo of something compared to where we want to go with the design, that's basically all it is, is we'll get a rough shape of maybe something that the client got a, a reference from when you sell the project. Um, and basically go from there. As far as all the little crack details and stuff, you know, it just really takes practice. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's interesting. I've, I've seen the process and, um, you know, a lot of guys do cast molds and then take those molds and then kind of seam them all together and try to puzzle something together. And where that works, you freehand part everything, right? It's just... Uh, typically, yeah, that's... Uh, you know, I mean, I think, you know, when I, when I learned to do this, I learned with castings and making molds. <clears throat> the, the, the guy that taught me all this, Frank Fletcher, um, who owned a company in Asia uh, called Asia Rock Art, and they did uh, Hong Kong Park, um, some very big, substantial projects, you know, like 60-foot waterfalls and you know, walk big walkthroughs, and you know the realism you get with castings is, you know, it's it's not really comparable to what most people can create in the positive. Mm -hmm. So the way it ends up coming out is, you know, you could the bigger the panel, the less you know details you see from when the panels are blended, but. The smaller the panels, the more you can do with relief by using those panels. So what really got me going on those and, and why I kind of took a different direction was, one, when I first started doing this, you know, I only had a carport at my townhouse that, you know, that's my work area. That was my work area. So, you know, I had castings. I had four by eight castings, four foot by eight foot castings just crammed in this small little carport area, you know, as my samples. And, uh, you know, I'd go around and make molds. I went to Hawaii and made some, some molds of lava, um, you know, and those were, I made some castings from that. And what, what ended up happening and what kind of turned me away from it was, I, I, there was a house fire and, my, and the whole townhouse complex burned down. So I lost all my castings lost all my molds. You know, I had a library of like 15 molds that were pretty big molds that I spent pretty much all my money on at the time, you know, and lost all that insurance ended up giving me some money to, to recreate a couple of them. And I remembered the locations to some of those. But then once I started uh, kind of going again and getting, just getting back into it, getting driving forward, I realized that I could make a lot of the details in the positive with just different tools and I enjoyed creating those little tools, you know, like a piece of styrofoam, a piece of, you know, old concrete that you find on a job site, you know, all that has different texture, right? You could find a beer can and smash it into the wall and make some, make some texture, you know, it's really all about texture. So, I mean, that, that was, you know, a big turning point. For, I've seen some of your tools. Where, it's interesting because if you would think, oh, these, to the, to the layman, a quick glance says it's just a bunch of trials. Um, but to a knowledgeable uh, mason, these trials aren't just random trials. They didn't come off the shelf. They're modified. So why do you do that? Why do you grind and you change the shape of the trial? Well, when you're, when you're cutting and trying to get fine lines, a lot of times, you know, instead of using like a, a trowel that you just buy off the shelf from a, a masonry supply store, mm -hmm. typically they're a bit thicker. Yeah. Like they've got yeah. a hard edge. If you look really close, it's, it's like the back of a knife. You know, it's got that, that hard edge and yeah. then the front of the knife has the sharp edge. Well, if you think about what's going to draw a finer line in the material, the sharper edge. Exactly. So that's it. Exactly. We, you know, shape. And, you know, I've, I've just taken a regular pool trowel and I modify it with a, a, a point tip on it. 
which I find is my biggest and most popular tool that I end up grabbing. Um, and I generally work with the trowel on each hand um, if I'm carving. Uh, and uh, you know, that's, that's kind of... I think it's interesting to see the carving technique. You know, it's, I think I would like it, liken it to painting. So you watch somebody like Bob Ross, we've had some jokes with this, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, happy little accident. Yeah. <laughs> and it. you know, exactly. it's it's great to watch somebody like that paint and you think, man, they make it look so easy. I can do that. And you grab a paintbrush and you're like, man, I really don't know what I'm doing. And that's kind of the same way you're working. It just takes time, practice. And, and it takes practice. Um, so what's what I think is neat about drawing with a pencil is, you know, even if someone doesn't have skills, uh, if they're not uh, genetically coded to draw, they can be taught to draw at a basic level. You can teach them fundamental techniques. You find carving to be the same way? Are there some fundamental techniques? Yeah, I would say so. Um, generally, if I'm, you know, bringing one of my guys into the, the carving aspect of the, the project, I typically get them to work on the big shapes. Mm -hmm. So I'll say, you know, let's let's do something here. This is, you know, you can kind of see the rough shape, whether it's out of foam or, uh, you know, steel mm -hmm. um, armature. You know, you can, you they've got a map to kind of follow. So, so I typically try to find guys that have no concrete experience because. Generally, what I've found is anyone that has the concrete experience typically tends to try to just smooth everything right. out. That's, that's just in their brain. They want it to be flat, smooth, perfect. This is the opposite. Like when I'm moving material around, I'm using the op I'm using the edge of the material because that opens up pores of the concrete, and you're not creating that skin on it. That's just one of the differences of the way that I do my technique. I've heard you say you carve for color. What does that um, mean? Yeah, I learned, I learned this from, uh, from a guy down in California, Josh, who, who put that in my, in my brain. He said, you know what, you just, like, when you're carving, carve for something. Carve for, you know, he said he carves for color. And, you know, when you're, when you're carving and creating different aspects of the of the rock whether it's a fallout um, you know if you look and there's so many examples of it uh, where I am in, in British Columbia you know you can see the color change whether there was some iron oxide got in behind that crack and had some air that was in that crack in that void you know for a thousand years a hundred thousand million years and then all of a sudden whatever came in water kind of spread it out and open it up and let it fall out and now you can see the different colors. So that's one way to look at it when you're carving, you know, carve the color. Yeah. Well the texture on the rock, you know, as you said, a lot of masons want to slick it over, right? Um, that's closing up the pores. But when you're dragging the material, you're opening the pores and letting the color react differently, right? Well that, yeah, the there's yeah Typically, at that stage in the process, what I end up doing is, you know, I'm, whether if you're going to stamp it, put texture in with a, you know, a piece of what I call site garbage, site like garbage. literally, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm constantly looking around, oh, there's new textures, I try new things all the time, you know, slick it up. You can slick over top of that texture you put in just to give it that kind of rubbed finish. You know, when you color, all those textures will come out. Yeah. I know we were uh, carving with um, using skins and stamps, and you said, man, you really don't need those. You know, just use your intuition. Just I, yeah, I typically, I typically like to use tool texture. Tool. Yeah. Um, now, depending on the type of work that you're doing in a production style work, where it's something that you know, you're putting on a lot of material, let's say at the side of a highway, like highway project, um, where there's like big aggregate in it. You know, anything like three-eighths aggregate, say, yeah, three-eighths and a half or bigger. 
you know, you kind of have to skip a, skip a couple steps. You, you can't just set it all up in the rough shape and then go and carve in all your detail because you'll be carving in to aggregate, mm -hmm. which then falls out and leaves like little pockets. And, you know, it's, it just doesn't work. Um, so what, what you'll do in that case is generally, yeah, you, you start smoothing it out in a trowel finish using more stamps, all your cuts and everything that you make are all troweled cuts mm -hmm. instead of like really carving. The only carving you're really doing is the initial rough shape where you're cutting in, pulling material, stacking it, you know, going fast. Like, you know, we're literally, we're, we're, it's like we're dancing, you know? Yeah. We're just yeah. constantly moving around. Yeah, I've seen yeah. you spray paint lines and like, I've seen where you guys shot up a 200 feet on the side of a highway in BC and then spray paint all over it. Is that for your guys? Is that for you? Uh, it's more for the nozzleman. For the nozzleman? Yeah, so. Okay. You and know, you're using chuck paint, right? Yeah. High velocity, yep. dryer wet, but yep. you're not hand packing this stuff. Uh, no, not in those situations. Yeah. Like, you know, we'll get to that in a second, but when, you know, when you're, when you're carving, you know, you can only carve the material that's there for you on the wall. So generally, whoever's putting the material on the wall has is is running the guideline for what's what the outcome is. Mm -hmm. So whenever I'm shooting, you know, a project, I'm basically drawing the material on with the nozzle. So I'm stacking, I'm putting material here. I know that if I got this corner I want to build out, you know, that's my final point. I don't look anywhere else other than that corner. Yeah. You know, I'm putting that material and I'll, I'll build out a corner and start bringing it out, and, you know, stacking ledges out, and, you know, generally trying to carve in an isometric view opposed to, you know, your vertical face plane to a cut 90 edge. You know, I generally shift everything. So when you're looking at it, you see down those lines. And when you look at it this way, you see down those lines. And, you know, I try to bring in three different aspects to give it dimension. So you're thinking about shadows then? Thinking about shadows um, is, a, is a really big part of it too. Um, you know, when, when the sun hits different areas, you know, you're gonna get more shadows, especially in those areas where, you know, it's not meant for climbing. You will generally do more overhangs because you'll get more shadow. Every pebble in your pool has a story. Come find that story with Ask the Masters on February 27th and 28th, Mesa, Arizona. That's really cool. You know, I think a lot of people, <clears throat> when they think of artificial rock or fake rock, um, they think of putt-putt courses. I don't know if you guys have those in Canada or not, but, yep. um, you know, fairly bobo rock work. You know, it's not not high-end, but you're working on high-end, ultra-realistic, uh, not just highway production jobs, but multi-million dollar pool projects, right? So. How do you approach a project like that? I mean, what, what's the, again, does it start in the design? Do you go back and think, all right, I've got a complete vision for this project and now I've got to work with the pool builder or, uh, or the, you know, what's, where do you go with that? You know, generally, um, if I get brought into a project, there's already been some initial design idea whether it's you know a designer, is it like a pool designer, a landscape architect, an architect. Um, in my area, there's you know there's there's quite a few companies doing what we do, um, and you know it's there's there is the whole thing that I'm you know we're fighting against architects saying no we absolutely hate artificial rock like no way this is artificial like we can't have this yeah. you know what I mean 
Um, I just recently did a project uh, up in Whistler where that was the battle. It's a, a $14 million house. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I was able to get in to do the work was that there's a shoring aspect to the project where the boulders, yeah, the boulders were in the backyard. These are big, you know, like 15 ton boulders that are, you know, that could basically fall out and land in, in the hot tub. <laughs> so they said, okay, we got to figure out what we can do here. Um, and they, you know, brought me on to consult the project. Um, I showed them some local examples and sent them over to actually go and check, touch and feel the work. And it was kind of cool because they sent the, the, the architect there and the one who doesn't like it was the one who doesn't like the fake rock and you know we blended it into another piece of real rock and he couldn't find our fake rock that's awesome is that the one that has the it, sewer pipe going through yeah we buried nice. yeah we buried the uh sewer main that's a cool project yeah. so you took a sewer main or you did a builder needed to run the sewer main right it just over top of what was otherwise beautiful rock work right yeah and he needed to hide it. So that's when he called you. Yeah. Uh, you, it's so hard to see. Uh, yeah. It's amazing work. So yeah. did that guy turn heel and say, okay, yeah. Yeah, so what happened was they said, okay, you know, they basically said, yeah, go for it. You know, plan the project around that. Um, you know, we did it, it turned out, turned out great. Uh, you know, it still hasn't been planted yet. Generally, what I'll do on those high-end projects is, you know, I'll get the colors to a, a place where, you know, it comes to the soft scape where, you know, they might have some shrubs or some, like, you know, creeping thyme or something that's going to overhang. And, you know, 10 years down the road, we'll have that, that natural, you know, mineral runoff that'll create those marks and streaks and stuff and once once they have the rough guideline of what they're going to be planting where exactly i'll come back and do some paint touch-ups and color those in a little bit darker so they'll already be present so it looks like it's been there already for yeah that's one of the neatest things in the coloring process i think i've learned from you is and you know I say that, it's, it's really funny. I, I grew up around rock, climbing rock, being around rock, working with stone. And at a micro, at a, at a micro level, you know, we're looking at all these nuances, especially as, as rock climbers, we're looking at nuances uh, and stone basin. You know? We're looking at the micro. And I've been guilty of never stepping back and looking at the big picture, uh, the whole forest, the whole giant rock and seeing these crazy stains that run down rock. And you introduced that to me. And I, I, I kind of retrospectively say, duh. Yeah. I mean, how did I miss that? You know? And it's so normal to see it. And you're putting it there with color, with paint or stains and bleeding and washing and creating all these, these intricacies of the rock for a reason. There's yeah. a plant or a hidden piece of iron or something, exactly. right? Yeah. It's a fascinating process. Yeah, you know, it's it's really all like what you, what most people see is on the outside of you know a rock or a cliff face or something. But what they don't think about is what's in and beyond that. What is inside that rock that mm -hmm. is creating this look, or why is this part you know this like gray blue, and then there's nothing else like that. But then around the corner, you know on the same plane is that color again. Why, why does that happen? Why does, you know, and, and again, why does moss grow on one side of the rock and doesn't on the other? You know, you start realizing that there's reasons for all these things. Right. And why, you know, why, are, why can a tree grow out of a crack in the rock? You know, well, it, it, where's the root going? You know, things like that. Like there's, you know, those types of things. The intricacies of the rock. One of the things you taught us was that the color doesn't necessarily need to chase the feature, right? And that's really hard to get your head around. Um, that's 
it's yeah generally you know in a frat if it's a fractured rock you know that that color change of the different types of rock you know you're only seeing that now because <clears throat> it's been fractured off yeah right? I mean, it so makes perfect sense. it doesn't generally always happen just in a crack you, right. you don't need a color change and, and the other thing too that you know like I honestly, I still, to this day, am always trying new things and seeing what we're, what's, do, do I like that? Or, you know, I might like it, the client might not. Yeah. You know, there's, there's just always this, you know, especially being an artist, you really need to start thinking about like, oh, why is this, you know, what are some ways that I can, you know create this differently and obviously you know there's we're doing this you know people pay us money to do it so yeah you know would I love to just do a paint job like keep painting this project yeah I could do it for 10 days but one am I going to make any money after that time yeah. maybe if they keep paying me to do it <laughs> but generally they want you to get the hell out of there and yeah. on with the next yeah. you know so there's this big speed aspect of things. Too. Well, How can we do this quicker? Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm working on a new tool right now, actually, <clears throat> that I think is going to really change my game. I've seen some hints of that. <clears throat> I know we can't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I know you want to. Yeah, I want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to work on it a little more. It's pretty killer, yeah. man. It's pretty killer. Uh, the audience is going to have to wait for that. <laughs> so. Um, you know, when we hired you to help us refine our skill set, you know, we had, uh, as you remember, a group of rock climbing artists uh, that had skills with masonry and stone sculptors and all in. I almost felt like we knew nothing at that point. Like you came and said, okay, Dad, you're doing this wrong and <laughs> you're doing this wrong. And why don't you try this? And um, one of those things is in the, in the painting painting or staining um, we had a small palette and he said no man we have like 80 colors down here and it's not really 80 colors but we've got our base colors our primaries and, yeah. and then um, there are all these other steps washes and speckles and, and everybody knows probably the speckles but the washes are really interesting is this, is this trade secret stuff? Or yeah, you know, pretty, uh... I, the way I look at it is, you know, there's a lot of guys that are scared to tell people how, how to do it. You know, there's a lot of guys that want to share how to do stuff. And you know what, I'm all for sharing and telling people ways to make their work better because it only makes artificial rock a better name, Yeah. right? So. Yeah. If everyone just keeps hiding <clears throat> all their tricks and you know not showing what what can be done, it's only hurting the trade in general because you know <clears throat> you want people to be wanting this and you want them yeah they want to hire the best guy they want the best work they want the best outcome but you know it's 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 nice when people share like you know when I work with other guys you know. I'm, I'm not hiding anything from them. I'm not like, oh, is he looking now? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, do that. It's like, you know, this is how I do it. Man. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it all comes down to it's it's an art. You know, you've been practicing it for a long time. You know, when I first learned, I was, you know, I just learned basically in my garage, right? I learned from a guy who showed me what was out there, what could be done. You know, and gave me that opportunity, and we worked on some, some of his projects. He's he's you know he's in his seventies now, um, and he did Hong Kong Park back in in the eighties. You know, so it's not a new thing. Right. There's right. new there's new tricks and techniques, and I think what's happened is people just don't share the knowledge as much. And now you know, there's guys that are starting to do classes. And, things like that and showing people and it's it's for the good of like the industry consultant you know? teaching people yeah you know like i'm doing consulting work you know like with your project yeah. you know showing me you guys you know and to me it's not like i don't see anyone really as a competition i see them as you know we're cohabiting and we're making this a better industry 
Yeah. Right. We're bringing it back because yeah. it was very popular, and now everyone's just kind of hidden their techniques because they want to be the ones that are doing the all the work. The gets called. Yeah. Right. So now they're hiding all these things, and now you're starting to see more guys, and it just drives everybody to be better. Yeah. You exactly. know. So the standards now. That's how we higher, get. And that's, that's the goal. Get, uh, genres of style right pointillism or exactly. painting it happens because the artists share they're yeah. all hanging out in the same coffee shop exactly like you know it's it's communities. like yeah and now because like two countries away from each other and still be peers yeah and exactly share knowledge and yeah. so i think that's the biggest thing that you know that's where i'm trying to go with it is you know if someone asks me how do you do this is it a trade secret right you know like, to me i don't think there's any secrets i mean the way that things have been done is you know either the same or different it's like you can do things differently and still get an outcome that's the same as some somebody else's work or better or worse or you know i always say is like you know some people know they know something some people know they don't know something and some people don't know that they don't know what's there, <laughs> right, right? right? You know, they just, you don't know. Things exist. Well, it's, it's, it is an art form. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no two ways about it. Even, even if you have uh, artistic development skills, um, it's hard. It takes practice, right? Yeah. And you carve all the time. This is the daily gig for you. So you're able to take that the skills and just leverage them and then still communicate your tricks that you find along the way with, uh, with other people. Yeah, exactly. You know, like I've... I've raised the bar. I've, I learn new tricks daily. Like, I'll be doing a project and I'll say, oh, how's this texture work? Or, you know, I've, I've done things where I've been wearing a belt and I've literally rubbed up against the wall and went back to it and looked at it. I was like, how did I do that? Yeah. And then I get home and I got concrete stuck in my belt, you know, and then it clicks. I'm like, oh, well, there you go. Like, and I just leave it. The texture is beautiful. Yeah, it's great. You know what I mean? So, like, there's just different ways to do it. I know I put too it's much cool. mud on. I remember putting too much material on one day and had a fallout. And yeah. you looked at it and you're like, man, it's a happy little accident, you know? Yeah. It's the Bob Ross right there. Yeah, you know, and, and you run some different paint textures in there on that and it just looks different it's a fallout it's a real fallout now there's you know there's a big difference between also using wet material and dry material so using a dry mix shock shock process right so you know there's there's really really it's really different so it changes your techniques, right? It really changes to. your techniques uh, in the initial stages. Um, generally, you know, I I started like I've got a an old Sova, Reed Sova, yeah, again that was used on the Hong Kong Bank for all the fireproofing, wow. or all the okay. erosion control yeah. fireproofing. Um, that was given to me by Frank, who uh, was my mentor. And, uh, you know, we used that, that was, that was the original, that's what we did. We ran dry mix and carved the dry mix and, you know, you can't, I don't know, people, you would know this from working with dry mix, but stamping dry mix, it just doesn't work unless you really get a good plastic state on the surface and then, you know. Or if you're using a hydro mix nozzle and maybe you can get exactly, a wetter plastic right? state on the surface. Exactly. You know, generally it's it's, it's hard to stamp. Yeah. Um, but that being said, you can go right to carving and right to getting tool texture when you yeah. use a dry process. Yeah. Um, and the hydro mix nozzle really works well. Um, hydrating material so you don't get, you know, any effervescence. When you saw with our project, we were changing, tweaking the powder and the mix design. So yeah. we used slag cement. Did you like that? I like the slag cement. Yeah, it uh, really slows things down. Um, you can shoot bigger areas. We were able to really move. We must have carved for three or four hours. Yeah. If you didn't like something, you could point it to it and we could fix it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, that's, yeah, I mean, so I, new technology and material changes the game too, right? Yeah. So bad materials yeah. or from the ready mix. Add mix too, yeah. Add mixes, fibers. 
Um, like you introduced me to the jute fibers. Yeah, the jute fiber. The jute fiber, and well, I'm from Canada. We got we got hemp. You got plenty of hemp. But the jute fiber, the jute fiber is really cool. It's a you know uh, a cool fiber to work with because you don't really notice it's in there. It's so yeah. fine, um, and it it absorbs water. It reduces shrinkage quite right. a bit because it's hydrating longer, right? Yeah. We had, I think, uh, 9,000 square feet of rock work on that project, and basically no shrinkage. No shrinkage. Fibers yeah. amazing. I mean, we had a lot of steel in there, too. Yeah. So do you guys use a lot of rebar? A lot of steel? We, I do, personally. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, it's concrete. It's yeah. going to crack. And, you know, for us doing rock work, you know, you get a couple cracks in there. It's not the end of the world. Typically, they they when it cracks, it cracks in a crack that you've already made. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, kind of like scoring concrete to create a, a exactly. Control joint. It's sort of generally, you know, a crack. What what a crack ends up doing is leading to the possible chance of getting efflorescence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the efflorescence will make your job look less inviting. Right. You right. know, so the less shrinkage cracks the less cracks in general the better the less efflorescence the better the more it's, sealed, the yeah, the more it's sealed up would you like to get your hands dirty with ask the masters Save the date, February 27th and 28th, 2020. You know, that being said, too, you know, if you're using paints or there's, you know, some new things like what, what uh, you guys used, um, it's like a colloidal yeah. silicate, right? Yeah, the silicate-based uh, stains, yeah. Yeah. That was from Canada, right? Which is from Canada, right? exactly, yeah. you know, Perfect. which is a pretty cool product that I'd like to get into using more. That stuff if we could potentially do some sort of, you know, some sort of program with them, I'd be interested in, in, in using their products more because I, I do like the way that it takes on uh, the washes. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seal up as much on the surface, but more in, integrally into the concrete. Right. Um, and it, it works like a paint which is, you know, different than what, when you would use a stain. It's, yeah. it's basically like you're painting, but you're using uh, a tint. Yeah. Right? Yeah, well, just six months later, it's already growing like it. Yeah. But you can't do quite as quickly. Typically with paints, paint, no, right? yeah. The paints will, will create that, ball, that surface. Um, but yeah. I know that's site specific, but it's still yeah. it's a thing. Absolutely, it's cool. we want like it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We want as much natural, more realism, dirt, yeah. things that get in there and make it look cool. Yeah, yeah. So, well, we don't use rebar in the south. We use rebar. As you just right. right here and tell them. When I was down there, yeah, the, that was funny because I always bring this up. So, so I went down to Ryan's project uh, as a consultant. To we we develop I developed a program uh, online called the Remote uh, Consultation Program, and what it is is basically a program that you know I do from Canada. Yeah. We do a Skype-based program or FaceTime yeah, kind of thing yeah. where, you know, you can be on the job site and and say, damn, like this is where we're at, you know, what what are we at? And then with that program, I'll go visit the site to make sure, you know, it's done the way, to, you the way that I would want to put, put my name on it essentially, right? Yeah. I want to make sure you guys are getting the best possible outcome. Yeah, yeah. So when we went down there, I was, uh, there was a, an inspection on a, a footing. What kind of inspection was that? First, the one thing that was interesting <laughs> about it was the the inspector had a shotgun in his car. Oh yeah, there was that. There was a shotgun <laughs> in, the, in the vehicle, and I'm like, North okay, damn, okay, all right. Well, don't fuck around with these guys. They're inspectors. They're gonna. So he gets out of the car and says to his coworker, he says, so. Uh, 
looks like we uh, looks like we got a, a, a rebarb inspection here. I was like, on this footer, just rebarb inspection on the footer. Yeah, rebarb inspection on this footer. <laughs> and I, I, I looked at Ryan, and he didn't really say much. I was like, okay, well, that's five minutes. So how many pieces of rebarb did they use? And I, I said, is he saying rebarb? And he's like, I think he just said rebarb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from there on, it's a bit of a... Welcome to the South, yeah, right? Yeah, that's pretty funny. But yeah, we uh, we use quite a bit. Uh, Where we call rebar, rebarb, and, yeah. and riffraff. Riff raff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lots of fun uh, colloquialisms yeah. there. Yeah, it's fun. But yeah, now we use we generally use I, I use a lot of steel in my work. I think it's important. Uh, I mean, and you got to be careful when you do use steel, right? You got to get good yeah. coverage so you don't yeah. bleed out and rust. And exactly. So yeah. because of that, you put on a structural coat first, right? Generally, yeah. So what I'll do is uh, you know whether the armature is foam, which I I like using quite a bit. Um, I'll, I'll use foam. And then I'll use, uh, I'll do a rebar cage over top of the foam. Mm -hmm. And then I'll do like a, a two by two wire mesh over top of all of that. Right. And then, you know. Traditional shrinkage mitigation. And I'll, I'll also, what I, what I also do is when I'm doing my structure coat, mm -hmm. um, and I'll, t I'll typically use a ready mix truck. For my structure code, do all the structure code at once. Because you're usually using weapons there. Generally, yes. So I'll add fiber to that mix also. Okay. So my structure code is, you know, steel, wire, and fiber. You know, and I've not had any problems with that that setup. So when you're doing the carve coat, you're not diving deep with a trowel. I can't, yeah, exactly. exposing some of that reinforcement. Exactly. Which is going to rust and yeah. cause problems later on. Yeah. So you're um, covering it all up. Exactly. Um, otherwise, you know, I've, I don't see any, there's a lot of the new like fiber technologies and, and stuff. You know, some guys just go directly to foam and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't do that just because I, I feel like steel and, you know, that steel is really there to hold that matrix together. It's... What helps hold the material? It, it, it holds the material on the as wall. As a shock reader. As a shock that. reader, you yeah. know, yeah, exactly. You know, the more steel you got on there, the bigger relief you can get with overhead. The more fun you can have. Exactly. Sure. So, you know, it's it's just one of those things. You, you don't want it to sound hollow either, right? So you know, you got to get some material on there. Yeah. Get get rid of that hollow sound. Um, generally, you're going for the most realistic finish. That's the goal. So. Right. So yeah, some guys use the foam spray just a thin material, and then you can come knock on it. Everybody well, yeah. that sees that project knocks on it, right? But it's, it's yeah. Deep and you know what? Like you know what's the solid. first the first pieces that I ever made was foam and I used like a fiber reinforced concrete mm -hmm. on it and it was thin like it was like half an inch thick wow and you could knock on it and it sounds super hollow and, you know it was like that was you know the, some of the first pieces yeah. and then you know you I say to everyone that I'm, I'm teaching I'm like you know it's never gonna happen right the first time so yeah you don't have to waste a ton of money if you're just learning to carve. Go get some foam, get some, you know, shape the foam, put put some material on it. Don't get too crazy because you're going to end up coming back and probably throwing more on it after it's dry. And then once that's done, throw more on it when it's dry. You can literally start with a little boulder this big, uh -huh. start practicing, you know, and, and it's turn boring. it into a massive boulder yeah. just from practice, right? This, I remember our very first project, it had to be... 16, 18 years ago, excuse me, and um, we did just that. We had this, this huge styrofoam panel, and it was for a home show, and we cantilevered it over uh, a passageway at a pond or a water garden, and we suspended it back with these steel cables and big steel frame, this armature that we used to hold it in place so that you could walk underneath it, and all the shaping was done in the styrofoam. We used torches and 
acetate, acetone, and you melted the foam and carved the foam, and you know, which probably wasn't very good for us, but <laughs> we built this whole thing in our shop and then sprayed it thin. And it was just that, but it looked real, it looked legit. But you knock on yeah. it and it clearly wasn't real. Yeah. And um, so you, you evolve over time, right? As all yeah, these, exactly. As we all do in any given industry, we evolve and learn. There's a, Where yeah. do you see it going? What's next? I mean, how do, um, what's the future of rock carving? Yeah. I call it an artificial rock. It's I know, but you know, that's the thing is there's no real good name for it. It's it's uh, not actually fake at this point. You it's, know, yeah, you can make it look natural. You know, I typically will say it's it's a hyper realistic rock, but you know, still even to that, it's kind of like, what is that though? You know, where does that go? I mean. I think where it's going to go is, you know, there's going to be some new designs that can be implemented now, knowing like with what's possible with shotcrete mm -hmm. and what's possible with the finishes. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm in the process right now of developing a project that, you know, I want to build the house that on top of the bond beam of the pool mm -hmm. so the wall comes right out of the bond beam and have you know that whole wall is going to be rock this right? is a whistler right this is this is this is just something in my mind oh, okay, you know, okay. this is the no one you're place, about. But, right but you know there's a you know you could you can now build a whole exterior of a building yeah with shotcrete right and carve it and make it look like rock you know what i mean like there's you can now change the landscape and live inside these things, you know, and, you know, bridges and, you know, water tanks that, you know, you can now add these kind of finishes to. Give an aesthetic uh, appeal to a utilitarian. Exactly. Object. You know, things like that. Uh, you know, there's many different ways to do it. You could do it on a budget. There's, you know, that's what I always say too. It's like, if people are, oh, we want this and that, I say, okay, well, you can have it three different ways, basically. You know, I can do it for this price, do it for this price, and do it for this price. Like you said, you, you know? could paint for days. <clears throat> exactly. You, you could know? carve for days, right? You could carve, you could carve smaller sections and do things like that. Or you could do it all in one day. You know, what, what do you want? What do you, do you want this? You know, and I, I typically push people towards spending more money to make it look realistic, more realistic because yeah. that's the reason why they're doing it. Yeah. You know, and I've been, I've been where people say, oh, we don't want that. We don't want this. We want pool rock. Right. You know, we want the like round, like pool rock, you know? And the dinosaur like, okay, turtles. I don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, I don't typically do that. I'm, you know, generally where I go with my stuff is it's, you know, hiding construction mess, mm -hmm. essentially. You know, <clears throat> they had to build a footing on top of this to, build this house or this house is in, you know, we live in the mountains, so you know, we're constantly using natural rock and blending it in to make things look smaller, um, you know, rather than having a big concrete wall the size of this wall, you know, we can tie it into rock work to make it look like it's actually smaller than what it is. And you have to be fast to do that. Yeah. You gotta move. I know one of our, Poignantly remember one of the first things you said to us was, "Guys, you're going to be here forever in that phase, right? Yeah, we got a bunch of rock climbers and stonemasons carving, thinking about gastones and yeah. <laughs> little ledges and things we can hold on to." And you're like, "Yeah, you know, it's come on, guys. You sometimes gotta, you can you just get overdo it too. You know, like sometimes what you think, you know, and I, I say like you're carving for the paint. It's not only are you just carving for the color of the paint, but you're carving for the texture with the paint. Right. Right, so those washes, when the, when you do your wash, it, it, it sucks into those little pores, and that's where you see that color mm -hmm. difference, right? Yeah. It's, it's so not different. just on so the surface. Different. If it's on the surface, it mutes what's really there, so that, that color is that texture. The texture is what brings out the different layers of color. Uh, it's, it's fascinating, so. Where do we run next, man? Get a drink? <laughs> yeah. 
So if um, somebody wants to reach you, uh, I mean, I found you on Instagram via Buddy, actually, at a skate park in there. Um, and how do they find you? You know, social media nowadays is, is pretty important. You know, day to day, you know, I'm updating my Instagram to my projects. What's your handle? Uh, Ocean Rock Art. Ocean Rock Art. Yep. There you go. Uh, easy, you simple. You can type, you can Google Ocean Rock Art. <clears throat> Generally comes up right away. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's typically where I send people. And from there, they'll find my website, which is oceanrockindustries.com. I don't generally show my my tricks right um if someone messages me on instagram i sit i tell them everything yeah, yeah. i'll tell them everything but just to the general public if someone shows interest and, and direct messages me that's where they'll get information yeah through engagement yeah right? through, yeah exactly yeah. otherwise it gets it gets bastardized <clears throat> yeah misunderstood yeah, so, yeah exactly yeah. and those tricks don't even wouldn't look at that necessarily and understand it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've certainly watched, uh, mm -hmm. picked up so much from it. Yeah, yeah. Or Man, if, you it's, know, it's, if, a lot if, to, uh, it's a lot to take in. If other if other builders, you know, are thinking about you know for a project or whatever, like they could do like what you did with the with that that online remote consultation program. Yeah, uh, which works well. You know, yeah. uh, pop down. Basically, like for a visit, check in, check in, and make sure it's going well. And you know, you kind of get like a almost a workshop class out of that too, right. Right. where where you are hands on. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's valuable. So I think that's a wrap. Cool, man. Yeah. Go get a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Acid Masters podcast, and don't forget to check out our Facebook page each week on Tuesdays for new episodes of the show. I also want to encourage you to stop by the Ask the Masters Facebook page and invite other like-minded individuals to join us there as well. Feel free to jump into the conversations and even post your own questions. We want to create a community which fosters learning and discovery for the betterment of us all. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify please be sure to subscribe and feel free to share.